0: Welcome to the Power Show, guys. We have an awesome guest joining us today, and that is Jen Dugard, all the way from sunny Australia. How you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I am fantastic. We all know um, you listeners. We all know I love the Australian accent and everything about the country. Um, so I'm super excited that you're with us today.
1: I'm excited to be here. Thank you.
0: No problem. No problem. So. Um, You just came, so we talked a while ago and you went away, right? Was you going away to, I had it written down. You was going away somewhere, but I can't remember where you said you was going. But how was your trip?
1: Awesome. So we just spent five weeks. Um, I actually grew grew up in in the UK, in Stoke-on-Trent, moved to Australia when I was 18. So we just went back to England and Europe for the first time in nine years. Oh. so yeah we went we went back to stoke we went to london um went to wales Then went across to belgium italy switzerland so yeah it's been awesome
0: and where was the one place you don't have to be biased because i'm from london but where was the one place where you was like this place is awesome <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know what? I went to Venice. My, I've got a 10-year-old son and he wanted to go to Venice because he wanted to go in a gondola. So yeah. we weaved that into our trip. Um, and I, I wasn't that excited about Venice, but when I got there, it's just got this, you know, this amazing energy that – and I went, made a commitment to run in every place that we spent an overnight stay in. Um, so I ran through Venice. Um, okay. And it was just yeah, one of those places that I didn't expect but really, really loved.
0: Yeah, my, um, my family went to Venice earlier on this year with my 14-year-old brother, and he loved it, um, which is quite yeah. cool. Because I wouldn't yeah, have that. thought it would be a place yeah. for, for youngsters, you know?
1: Well, I think it's one of those places that's got enough fascination for everyone. So whether you're there as a couple and you want to do the whole romantic thing or whether, you know, you're a kid or a teenager and all the little streets and alleyways and boats, yeah. and it's just so different. So, yeah, yeah we loved it.
0: And how was I um, going back to Stoke?
1: You know, well, I know why I left. And I hope that doesn't offend anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, I met up with a lot of my friends that I, I used to, that I went to school with. Um, and I get why people go back somewhere that they don't necessarily want to live because of the people, because yeah. that's that a, a big thing. I've kind of left my friends behind and, moved on, but going back there and we've all got kids now and it's like, I could see how we'd all catch up when we do things. Um, but the place itself, it's definitely not, not home for me. So it was interesting.
0: Yeah. And and where, and where in uh, Australia do you live?
1: So I'm in Sydney, I'm in Maroubra. So Maroubra is one of the Eastern suburbs beaches, like Mm -hmm. about four beaches, south of Bondi, for reference for anybody. Um, And I live, you know, it's a 15 minute walk from the beach. There's a national park that I can run in within five, 10 minutes. Um, So yeah, it's awesome.
0: I'll tell you what, I I, I always talk about it, but like I went traveling around Australia and Sydney was the best place I've ever been to on this entire earth. I mean, I traveled up the East Coast, up to Cairns, and I just think Sydney just, it has, it's got the city life. And it's got the yeah. beach life. And it, Bondi was the most beautiful beach I've ever seen. And uh, oh, it's just, that's my dream. My dream is to one day be able to to live in Sydney. Because I just think it's the most beautiful place. Do it.
1: <laughs>
0: is your Get beach, up and do it. Is your beach on the, um, <laughs> on the beach walk? You know, you've got the beach walk, the Bondi to, where is it? You've got a Bondi to yeah. so,
1: yeah, Bondi to Bronte, but you can go, so you can go Bondi, Bronte, Coogee, or this Clovelly, Coogee, then it's, um, it's Maroubra. Ah. So, and then it's Malabar, which is further on. So it's, it's the bit that you don't get to unless you know to keep going further.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's about 20 Ks if you're doing the beach walk from my place to Bondi, if you go along the coastline running. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. I see that's cool. And um well yeah, the only way I can get over there is um is if I marry an Aussie bird. (laughs) I think that's the only way I can do it. I'm
1: married an Australian man, so you
0: never know. There we go. There There we go. go. So it can be done. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um so take the um the listeners through your awesome story. So um how you came about, how you got into the fitness industry, um, and to how you are where you are now.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. We were chatting before about where to start and um, I I guess I feel like there's a lot of life that we don't talk about mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of life that we, you know, when we're going through something hard, we think that it's not happening to anyone else, but the reality is it happens to everybody. So if I go way, 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 way back and interrupt me whenever you like, um, <laughs> I guess my... <laughs> My memories of school, I don't have awesome memories of school. I I can remember from being in primary school through to high school, through to college, which I guess speaking to people in the UK, you'd understand that in Australia, we don't get, they don't go to college for the last two years. Um, But every single place I went to, I, I was bullied. So in primary school, I went to a small primary school and, um, I got earmarked and I got bullied by the same girl all the way through primary school. Um, then I went to a different high school than her, partly because to move away from where she was going. Yeah. And of course stumbled upon another group of girls in high school who pretty much targeted me the whole way through high school. And it's that, you know, you want to go to the bathroom, but you can't go to the closest bathroom because you've got to go to the one where the girls don't hang out and you're not going to get... You know, you're not going to get shoved or spoken to or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, And then I went to college and the same thing happened again. So it was like whether I just, I don't know whether I was just, I don't know what it was about me that got that. And I'm sure there's a lot more people that get bullied through school that we don't actually realise, but it's one of those things that really sets the framework for how you feel about yourself and how you feel about whether you belong in a community or whether you don't belong. Um, I did have awesome groups of friends throughout high school and college, which I guess is what got me through. Um, and I did actually punch somebody in the face when I was about 17, when I was in high school. And I probably should have done that when I was 12. And I Go look on, at my Jen. kids' that <laughs> I punched <laughs> her in the face and I kneed her in the head and my mum had been telling me to do that for years <laughs> and years. Yeah. And it took me till I was 17 to do it. But so then in school I got left, left, sorry, I must've been 16. So I was still in high school. So the last say six months of high school were okay. And then I went into college and got the same thing and I'm not, I'm not a fighter. Yeah. Um, I don't want to hit people um, and words, words hurt. But um, so I guess that's my, you know, my, my remembrance aside from my friends of school is I didn't really feel like I completely fitted in mm-hmm. Um which maybe that's why it was easier for me to leave. So I left, um, I remember the last year or so of college. So being about 18 and that was probably my first experience of, you know, whether you call it depression or whether you just call it not, whether it's part of the not fitting in or part of, you know, whatever it may be. It wasn't, I don't remember loving, I loved hanging out with my friends, friends at that time, but I didn't really love being in college and still being where I was. So when I, I hit eighteen. I, my mum and dad bought me a plane ticket, and I moved across the other side of the world to Australia. So
0: oh, just like that. At that's 18.
1: how I got to be in Australia. My parents divorced when I was young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about thirteen with my mum, and I had this vision in my head from being thirteen years old that I wanted to come back to Australia. And the first opportunity I got was when I was eighteen. I left school, didn't want to go to uni didn't necessarily want to stay in stoke they give gave me a ticket to Australia, so that's what where i went
0: that's awesome so before we go on to that i'm very intrigued um so when you were 16 and you punched this girl what <laughs> yeah. what, what made you I, I want to dive into that so like first of all did you know you was going to do it that day what was the emotions that was flooding through your system why did you do it that day specifically and not the day before or the week before
1: yeah, I, I don't know why that day. It wasn't premeditated. Um, I do remember the situation, and I had a friend, but my best friend at the time was bigger than me. And I remember standing next to her, and for whatever reason, I, I was copying whatever I was copying from the girl that I punched. And she said, Her words were, Why can't Jen stick up for herself? And then, whether something in me just snapped, and I just remember mum saying, if you're going to punch someone, punch them as hard as you can so they don't hit you back. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I did. I punched her and I kneed her in the head and I kind of don't really know what happened. And, and, and then we both got in trouble. And that was kind of the, the end of the start and the end of my physical, physical fighting career in, <laughs> in <laughs>
0: hospital. But she left you alone after, right?
1: she did leave me alone and people left me alone in high school. But like I say, it was, you know, the last, what, six months, a year. And then I was off to college to find someone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And um, when you, so you moved, so you're 18 years old and you moved over to Australia. Did you know anybody when you was going over there? Was you just going over there by yourself or?
1: I had, um, I had family. Well, we've got distant family in Australia um, and I lived with, an uncle of mine for about the first, about first four or five months, um, he lived up in Church Point, which is not easily accessible without a car. But I, I made it work, and then probably I think it was five, six months down the track after that, I moved in. I found some, I had a job by then and found some share accommodation, so I moved into that. So I had an uncle, but or a couple of uncles. But that's that's about it.
0: And was you um, so you was planning to? Was it a temporary move? It was planning or was it a permanent move?
1: My mum and dad thought it was a temporary move. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever had an intention of going back. I knew I didn't want to go to uni and I knew that if I was on the other side of the world, even if I was just working in a shop, it looked like I was doing something.
0: So what, was you going over there to escape or was you going over there out of pure, because you wanted it to, out of enjoyment?
1: I, I wouldn't call it, an escape but I also knew that I didn't want to stay where I was I kind of knew that even if I stayed in the UK I wouldn't continue to live in Stoke I probably would have gone to London or at least Manchester or something like that so I was kind of like well if I'm not going to live at home near my family why don't I go to the place that I want to go to um and I didn't want to go to university so you know if I'd have been in London or Manchester I probably would have had to do that because I don't know what else I would have done
0: And why was you against going to uni because your experience throughout school or just because you had no interest?
1: I just don't think I knew, I don't think I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to work in the film industry. Sorry, I did know what I wanted to do. I wanted to work in the film industry. Um, But I didn't want to study to work in college where you actually pick your subjects. And I thought that maybe it'd be more exciting because I was doing what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I was done with sitting in the classroom. Um, and now, look, in hindsight, knowing what I know now is I'm not, a, I'm not an auditory learner. I even struggle to be a, a, a visual learner from a, sitting on a blackboard watching. I guess it's just it's auditory, isn't it? It's not even visual, yeah, it's a blackboard. Yeah. Um, so I'm a very, I am a visual learner, but I'm more a kinesthetic learner. So I need to be out there doing something for it to sink in for me to then excel. Yeah. So I could excel in a project but put me into an exam situation and I, I didn't do well at all.
0: I, um, I, I can relate to that 100%. I, I was the same. I, I got shocking grades in school. Um, yeah. Just because my intention span is very, very short. Um, movies and film, because we'll get into that in a second, um, it is a completely different story. But like in terms of writing and black and white paper, and I might yeah. have gone. Something else.
1: Yeah. And having um, to memorize to then pass an exam that someone's yeah. testing you in, yeah. you know, ha- sit down and have a conversation with me and let's have a debate or ask yeah. me to deliver a project to, around something and, and I can do it, but I can't memorize any... Like, I can't even memorize stuff now, you know? I watch a movie and it's gone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's so true. Even even um, trying to memorize about a subject that you have no interest in. I mean, that's... that's yeah. a, which is basically the majority of school in a way, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, right.
1: It is. Yeah.
0: So yeah. um so you went over to Australia, um, you moved in with your family, um, and you got a job, right? That, yep. And then what was your steps after that?
1: So I got a job working in a search store because I figured that if I was in Australia I had to work in a search store.
0: You gotta do that, yeah. <laughs> You're not in Australia yeah. otherwise.
1: <laughs> um did that for a little while. Then my first job when I was in England was working in a music store. So when I stopped working in the surf shop, I went back to what I knew and got a job in a music store.
0: What, like a h and um, kind of job? Yeah, that kind
1: of thing. Like, that's what I'd done in the UK. Um, and whilst I was doing that, I knew I wanted to get into film. Um, didn't really know what. My uncle that I was living with was a cameraman. Um, so I eventually managed to get him to take me out onto a film set. And he worked on a show over here called Better Homes and Gardens, which is like your, you know, your, your, your home and garden show. Yeah. Um, and I basically, you know, followed the camera assistant around. So the camera assistant is the person that supports the camera operator. Um, and then from that, what what happened after that? Like I, I had my, I met a guy and my boyfriend at the time, his next door neighbor worked on, a medical drama called All Saints, so kind of like your casualty.
0: I've heard of that, yeah. Um,
1: and I got hit. he managed to get me some work experience on that show, so I moved more into, like, the TV drama. Um, so I did a lot of free work in the camera department for what felt like a really long time, and lots of making coffee and lots of, you know, that kind of thing. But yep. I'm, I was more than happy. Like, I figured that it was my uni. Like, no one's paying me to be there, but... That's
0: a good outlook. Yeah. If
1: I want to do something worth doing and I don't want to go to uni I've got to prove myself and prove that you know I can pick things up quickly I can be useful I can you know I can do what the person getting paid to do it as well as so that when they're sick or when they're not available then I'm the one that gets called because people already know me
0: yeah
1: so yeah
0: and it worked I'm I'm very quickly what what made you let's go back to like the first day where um the thought of going into the film industry excited you. So what made you make that transition?
1: You know, to be honest, at first when I was, I wanted to be on the, the camera side of the like the other side of the camera, I wanted to act or I wanted to do something along those lines. I don't think I'm a very good actor. I can present, I've learned now, but I'm not an actor. Um, but then I, I kind of realized that I wasn't going to be an actor. So how do I, what do I do instead? So that's when I was like, okay, I want to learn about, being on the other side to being in the production side of things. And I, I really enjoyed that, that as well. So yeah, it was, it was a curiosity of the film industry and figuring out where I, where I fit into that.
0: Yeah. I mean, we'll go a bit deeper into that in a second, but like, I, I just think it's, it's amazing because I, I wanted to become an actor when I was in secondary school, took up drama Yeah. and, um, and that was actually the whole reason, I mean, we all got a story, right? And that was a whole reason why I went into entrepreneurship is because I can finance my acting career while whilst doing something that I love. Like most people that are an actor, yeah. which I tried, they go and get like a, a job in a coffee shop or they go and get a job somewhere. I tried that, I got a job in a call center. I moved to London, got a job in a call center, got myself an agent. And the job in the call center was so tedious. It was call after call, automated. So not, you don't type in a number, it was a headset, automated calls from 9am uh, to 7pm. Ridiculous. Oh wow.
1: Yep,
0: yeah, and I tried yeah. it, and it started to take a toll into the quality of my acting and in the auditions. I was like, I need to yep. take a, a different way around this. And I knew that going into this road I'm going into now will put my acting career on hold for a good couple of years whilst I set myself up, but then, it depends on how badly you want something, right? You've got to take the long route sometimes. So I think that's awesome what you did.
1: I think also it's like you start to learn about yourself. It's like, you know, whether I was in, whether I was acting or whether I was behind the camera, I was managing what I was doing. So no one was calling me to say, Jen, hey, why don't you just come work as a camera assistant? It was like, I had to get on the phone and I had to go out there and I had to prove. And then once you get a taste of that, when you talk about film versus entrepreneur, it's like, I'm, I think I realised then that I would never work for anybody again. And the reason I eventually got out of the film industry was because I spent five years working in the film industry and i just got to that point. i just done a film in Melbourne. I worked in Charlotte Square down in Melbourne. And I got another call after that. I was just kind of going, do I want to stay in the industry? Don't I want to stay in the industry? Because it was a good five years to get to that point of feeling like I was actually getting somewhere. And I was just like, if I can make 20 phone calls in a day in the film industry, but if there's no work, then I'm not going to get work. Yeah. And also the progression of camera assistant to camera operator to director of photography, I'm not sure if I wanted to go down that anyway, but it felt like such a long journey dependent on other people still being around rather than me creating what I wanted to do. Um, But I think that it gave me a really good grounding of if you want to do something, go out and learn it, go get your hands dirty, give it a go and be really persistent at what you want to do.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. Actually. I never, this is why I love diving into people's stories because you can find like similarities because I never actually pieced that together in terms of what you just said there, just sort of clicked on a light bulb in my head that um, when I, cause it makes sense when I was going to auditions and I was applying for acting roles, it was all me trying to get that work. So that makes perfect sense in, in terms of how um, that could have been a big reason why I went into entrepreneurship. And I, I liked the idea because I was still in control of, of my own destiny, if you want to call it that, as cheesy as it and sounds. And
1: even more in control because you can actually, you're not, you're not stood in front of someone going, oh sorry, you got the wrong colour hair, can't work with you this time. Like in, With being an entrepreneur, it's like you can go out there and use those skills and you can create your own opportunity. Exactly.
0: You can right. use that weird colour hair as your own brand, so to speak, Absolutely. right? <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: That's cool. Yeah. So what, what made you um, – I think you just said that, but I don't know if there's a more of a deeper answer, but what made you leave the film industry then?
1: Um, there was probably a couple of things. So by that time, I had I was engaged to – my husband um he's in the film industry as well and i think in the back of my mind i knew that if i was going to keep pushing into this at some point we may have children and it's very hard to have two parents in the film industry and be really present with the kids without having nannies for a really big portion of time yeah um the other piece to it was definitely I'm not in control, not in complete control here of whether I get work or don't get work. Like if someone's best friend wants the job, they're going to get it whether I'm better than them or not.
0: I see. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, And then thirdly, I kind of, that's where I'd, so I grew up in the UK doing gymnastics. I did competitive gymnastics Um, when I, I was about, I think I was probably so 20, Three, twenty-two, 22 so 18 yeah 23 and I'd gotten back into the film and the fitness industry as a as I was being I had a personal trainer so I'd kind of reignited that the gymnastics side of things and I coached gymnastics when I'd finished doing gymnastics and I'd started to think that is there a is there a space for me in the fitness industry not just the film industry so I'd started to you know, look at other options and see what else was out there.
0: Yeah. So what, so you, did you um, leave the film industry knowing that you're going to now go into the fitness industry or was it a bit of a leeway? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. did.
1: Yeah. So, so I had a personal trainer at the time and I went to him one day and said, I want to do my Cert 3 and Cert 4. He was taught, he gave me the opportunity to be like an apprentice under him. So he would be my mentor Um, And just as around the time of making that decision, it was like I got this phone call to do another film and I said, no, I've made a decision to leave the film industry. I'm going to go pursue fitness. So I can't remember whether I'd signed up to do my course and that was all set in stone or whether it was just this is kind of, this is the phone call that you either go back and dive into the film or you move into fitness. But I remember the phone call and I also remember you know, I think sometimes in business and in life, we have these, this the turmoil of, am I doing the right thing? <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. You know, what if it doesn't work? And I remember that was my first uh, memory of the relief of making a decision, knowing that, yes, I'd cut something off and I decided that that was over for me, but there was a, that weight off your shoulders going, okay, well, cool, now you know where you're going. So I'd followed my gut and there was that relief of, following it through that's
0: I think very important to talk about because how many people which you could probably agree with how many people are there out there who are in a situation that's the equivalent of being in the film industry but they're in a job or they're ever a, a partner or whatever it is and they know that they should be making this leap into plan b or this other option but they're too scared and afraid to make that leap because maybe they've trotted their gut before and it didn't work out right yeah it's so it's so, so true yeah, it's so true. And um, what, what would you say to those type of people? Just trust your gut or.
1: Well, yeah, because like, and it's very easy now, like, what, how many years later, 15, 13 years later, to say, oh, just take a leap and do it. But it's like, it's one of those things that the more times you do it, the more times you realize you can't actually get it wrong. So what you're going, you're moving away from, you could always go back to. No one's telling you you can't go back. It might be in a different different might look different but if you're sitting there thinking well what if I did this or what if I did that I have a person like my personal uh I guess mantra or philosophy is leave no what if unexplored Mm. and even if you explore it and you go that's not right for me you can look back and go well I wondered what if and I tried it and it wasn't right but that's okay because I tried it and I'm not looking back and I'm not still wasting time and energy going, what if, what if, what if? So my advice would be just try it or explore it to the point where you know that it's not the right thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, yeah. you might that...
1: get one over tomorrow. I don't know. You have your own <laughs> story with that. So we may not be here next week. So let's, let's try out all the what ifs and work out the right ones.
0: It, that's so true. So true. I, I think back at times in my life, not recently, but like years ago where there, there might be certain decisions or options, I'm like, I don't know if I should do that. And then I wouldn't do it, but then my time, time has passed and I can't go back and, and do it anymore because the time has passed. But now I'm like, I'm living in, but what if I did do that? What, what would have been the outcome? What, what would life would have been like?
1: So it's interesting though, though like, so, so the things that come and then they go, maybe they're supposed to go as well. So it, there's two sides to it, right? It's like if you're sitting on something and you know the opportunity's passed, I mean, how much time or how much does it mean to you that the time's passed? Because if it's truly meant to be, maybe the time hasn't passed. It's just got to come back again. But if it's not the right thing, then maybe it was right to let it go. I don't know. There's a very fine line, I think, and there's different ways of, of looking, looking at it. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: No, it does. That's a good point you brought up. Yeah. That maybe if,
1: the, if that what if is still on your mind i don't think that's that's it's not gone
0: but if it's a temporary thing is what you're saying right
1: yeah so, it's maybe it maybe it's just not now
0: yeah that's a good point point. and it's okay th-
1: for things to
0: play out too sorry yeah no 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 that, that's true because i'm trying to think like i think definitely what my problem was definitely growing up is um i would try to react like emotionally and what I mean by like let's just say something happens but there's a situation that's come up and like I emotionally want to do it rather than logically that's where I think um I make those impulses of what I'm trying to say but if I decided to to let it pass and then I realise that that was that was my emotions talking and then that moment passes and then my logic kicks in I'm like no that was probably the right decision you know what I mean
1: there's two ways to that too right isn't it because is it <laughs> is it your should we be following those emotions because that's got, that's got us excited and should you just be jumping in those moments? I mean, it depends how much, you know, obviously yeah. you're not a, you know, someone who's got a huge amount of responsibility, just throwing it all in and doing something else. But if there's something that you can look back on and you can go, I kind of really wish I'd followed that through in some way, you might find that if you start to put that intention back out there, it might come around in a different way that feels a lot more responsible or a lot more logical down the track that wasn't just throw it all in and join the circus or something random. But I don't know. I think there's still merit in you could, you could still explore stuff that's still sitting there and maybe you do need to listen to that emotion a little bit more sometimes.
0: Yeah, no, I I can probably say that, um, making a decision to travel Australia, thinking about it, that was 100% near enough emotion just because whenever whenever I see pictures or I hear the accent, I'm just in love. And that was always my emotions taking over. So, yeah, I can probably agree with that.
1: But it's not just, it's there's something else in that. It's like your, your desire to explore something new or your, you know, for me, I wanted to go back to Australia. There was no logic behind wanting to go back to Australia apart from I don't feel like I belong in Stoke. I'm going to go to Australia because that's where I feel like I want to go. Yeah. But at 18, sure. you can do that and you can go home with your tail between your legs when you're finished. You can do that at 50. You can do it whenever.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: no, that's true. So you, um, um, became qualified as a PT right yeah and yeah. Um, did you start working in like a commercial gym
1: yeah i did so my mentor was at um, fitness first and i then yeah so i started working up at fitness first far out 2000 and i don't know 6
0: 2007 i used to i used um, to train in the virgin active in sydney town centre
1: yeah no, this was Bondi Junction, so okay. a little bit out of the city. Yeah, but yeah, there's one yep. in Bondi. Okay, yeah, there is. Well, Bondi Junction, not Bondi Beach. Um,
0: oh, I was at the town that's near the beach. Is it?
1: Yeah. Where, so yeah. you've got Bondi Beach, and then Bondi Junction's like the the suburb behind. The there's beach.
0: a bus station there, isn't there? There is a bus station there. Yes. Yes. yes there, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: getting that. Um, yeah. So I was up there. I had my mentor Simon for about nine months of what should have been a 12 month mentorship. And then he left the gym, which was probably good timing for me because I was kind of ready to, you know, go on my own and do that kind of thing. Um, I got married around that time. And then I, I actually fell pregnant with my son in 2008. So I worked at fitness first until about two weeks before he was born. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's supposed to be four weeks. He came two weeks early. Um, yeah, so I started in a commercial gym, ran a, ran a pretty, pretty good business in there and then I left Fitness First when he was born and three months after he was born, I started a business called Body Beyond Baby, which is a group, an outdoor group fitness business which specializes in working with mums and offers on-site childcare.
0: Oh wow, that's awesome! That's I know. That's that's a thing in, in uh, over here actually. Because I did a survey. When did I do this? I did it. Um, must have been about two, three months ago. And I surveyed a lot of because I work with parents as well, and I surveyed surveyed parents in Bracknell. And I said to them, you know, because I, I wish we could probably get onto it in, in a bit, but like I said to them, well, number one, what's the biggest reason why you aren't where you want to be with your fitness goals and your fitness levels? And they said, time, right? They said, time and my kids. I said, okay. And then I said, but if there was a gym, basically what, what they're saying is like, they would love a, a facility or an opportunity where they could train, but they can mm-hmm. bring their kids and their kids get looked after as well. But I said, nowhere yep. has that. So I think that's cool that you tackled that right head on.
1: There's a lot of it in Australia now, um, a lot of outdoor group fitness businesses with on site childcare. Ten years ago, it was me and one other, one other person.
0: You started um, it. <laughs> but it's
1: really cool to see. Well, I don't think I, I didn't start it, but I was definitely one of the first, yeah. first groups in Sydney and I'm probably the longest running group in Sydney now. Um, you know, I don't know how much you want to go into this, but there's a lot of, you know, we need to make sure in Australia that um, trainers working with mums are actually qualified and accredited to do that because that's a bit of a gray area um, but in terms of giving mother who was born in 2010 so two years after my son was born and you know we don't have the support networks that you know years and years and years ago people had and Sydney is a very it's a very transient place it's a place where there's a lot of people that have emigrated here from overseas so not a lot of people or not a lot of people have or women have that support network of their family to help them with their children. So you become quite isolated. Um, And so group group exercise with childcare offers mums a place they can go to not only do exercise, but have that support network of other women that are going through the same thing. Um, And to to find that little bit of themselves again, that maybe they've lost when they become a mum, because mum gets put at the bottom of the list Um, unfortunately in my opinion, she needs to be at the top because she's the one looking after everybody else. Um, yeah, so it's, it's really, you know, the business is now 10 years old, which is absolutely insane when I think about it actually October. So October it hits its 10th birthday. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's really like I'm trying, part of me is trying to sell the business. Um, and part of me just feel my heart is, I love working with the women that I work with, Um, but yeah, there's other stuff that I'm doing and I I need to be doing, but the essence of the business and what it gives to the women that train there, um, it it excites me all the time.
0: And, um, okay, there's a a few questions there. Let's let's go back to the beginning. So I know when you said, I don't know how much you want to dive into this, but I'm very intrigued. So you said that it's very important for personal trainers, fitness instructors to become qualified to actually work with mums, right? Is that, yeah. um, is that like a, 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 legal thing or is that what you believe that makes sense?
1: Both. So, um, okay. in Australia, I've, I've called, phoned a lot of insurance companies cause I wanted to make sure that I'm speaking the right language. Um, if you're a personal trainer and you're in Australia and you're insured and you're training pregnant and early postnatal mums, And you're not insured not you're not accredited in training you haven't done a specific certificate then if something was to happen your insurance company may not cover you
0: interesting okay
1: yeah um and from a personal perspective um after 10 years of working with pregnant and postnatal women there's a lot of trainers And I don't, it's no one's doing it deliberately because I truly believe that every single personal trainer out there is in the industry because they want to do good. So it's it's more a case of, you don't know what you don't know. And your everyday PT doesn't know what a mum needs postnatally. Um, And your everyday woman doesn't know what she needs postnatally because the education is just, it's not there. It's getting there. Um, And where there's, you know, a lot of PTs that I now know, um, that are working in this space, that are accredited, um, that are helping to change and educate women, but there's a lot of work that still needs to be done.
0: What, what so would you say? <laughs> Sorry, gone. Oh, uh, wasn't. What would you say is the biggest? There's probably a lot, but what would you say is the biggest um, thing that the average PT wouldn't know or understand? But once they become accredited and started to work with um, with mums, that they know how to handle. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so even as simple as what do you ask a a postnatal mum in her medical questionnaire? You know, it's not enough. It's not good enough to say, have you had a baby in the last 12 months? Um, Have you seen your GP at six weeks postnatal? Yeah, okay, cool. Let's get into all the stuff that we were doing before you had your baby because you've had the sign-off from the doctor. So, you know, a personal trainer needs to be able to ask, you know, what kind of delivery did you have? If you had a vaginal delivery, how long were you pushing for? Um, do you know if you have any pelvic floor trauma? Did you have any tearing? Do you have any, did you have any stitches? Um, you know, have you been asses- has your pelvic floor been assessed by a women's health physio? Um, you know, do you have any, any abdominal separation? So it's like even the questions that we need to ask before that woman goes back into the gym. And then when she does, if she says she has a weak pelvic floor, well, what are the exercises that she should and shouldn't be doing? And how do we know when she's doing the exercise, whether her pelvic floor is coping with that exercise? So I actually run an accredited course called Safe Return to Exercise, which is a two-day course, which does accredit people in working with pregnant and postnatal mums. Um, And it's amazing the light bulb moments that go off in, especially in personal trainers that are mums that didn't know. But they're personal trainers themselves. They've had babies. I talk about some of the things that women experience and they're like, that's what happened to me. I didn't know. It's still happening to me. They might be still wetting themselves when they're running or they might still have abdominal separations. They're doming when they're doing a push-up. But no one's actually told them what's happening, why it's happening and given them tools in order to properly rebuild from the inside out.
0: Yeah. And uh, that's—I mean, obviously, I—I I, I couldn't relate. So I'm a—I'm a bloke, but like, I definitely got um, some female family members who more—more more in the actually, no, I wouldn't say older. No, they kind of mix, but they—they they are the um, the type of person who would we themselves if they laugh too hard. Yeah. Right. That's not normal. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's normal, but it's not—it's not—it's very normal, but it's not to be expected just because you've had a baby. So to that woman, I'd be saying, well, we work really closely with women's health physios and women's health physios, I'm not sure if they're the same. You do get them in the UK. Um, They work with women around basically, um, you know, uh, my words aren't coming out. So uh, they'll check pelvic floor, they'll check abdominals. They'll, you know, they're a women's health physiotherapist. So to that person, I'd be saying, why don't we get you an appointment with a women's Health Physio? She can use things like real-time ultrasound. She can do um, assessments um, to find out exactly what is happening with your pelvic floor. So it might be that her pelvic floor is strong enough, but it doesn't have endurance. It might be that she has, um, she, when she does a pelvic floor exercise, so we know that 50% of women, when they think that they're contracting their pelvic floor, so when they read, read it, or they're verbally told how to do it, they actually push out. So you can imagine a woman who has a slightly weak pelvic floor, if she then thinks, I've got to do my pelvic floor exercises because my doctor told me to, but no one's checked that she's doing them right. She could be Mm. pushing out through her pelvic floor, therefore making a potentially weak pelvic floor weaker.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah, and even myself as a personal trainer working with mums, I'm not qualified to assess their pelvic floor, so my first port of call is to refer every pregnant and postnatal woman to a women's health physio. And if you go even deeper, pretent- prevention is better than a cure. So if you've got a woman who's pregnant and has what we call a hypertonic or tight pelvic floor, so it's overactive, which means she has trouble releasing. She then tries. Then she then goes into labor and childbirth and tries to have a vaginal delivery with a pelvic floor that doesn't relax. And you can see that, you know, she's going to have a hard time delivering the baby and she's probably going to end up with an assisted or an instrumental delivery. So forceps or vontus, which could then potentially lead to more pelvic floor trauma or tearing that had we got her to a women's health physio in pregnancy, we might've known that she had a a tight pelvic floor. She could have worked with the physio to release it, and we could have prevented pelvic floor trauma in childbirth. So there's lots that we can do if we know. We just yeah. don't know what we don't know.
0: That's very true. That's very true. I um I think that's awesome what you do. I I know does I know firsthand that there are PTs out there who would try to do everything themselves. I think that's cool that you mm. are. I don't know, and I don't know what side it comes from when they do that. You know, you've got two sides, one ego. Another one is that they just truly want to help. But you referring them to the specialists, I think is really cool because you do have you show that you have their best interests at heart.
1: And also we can't possibly know everything. Yeah. You know, I see myself as a connector of dots. So I listen to a woman. I hear what she's saying. I know enough to listen to, for triggers. But then I, I, at the end of the day, most personal trainers have done a six or an eight week course. You might've been to college to do it. You might it have, might've have taken longer in Australia. There's a lot of six, eight week courses out there. That's what I did. Um, but I know that I'm not a physiotherapist and I know I see my strength in knowing what I don't know rather than trying to be everything. Cause there's nothing worse than knowing that you're out of the, your depth, trying to work with somebody and actually just you know, in your heart, you feel sick because you're not sure if you're telling them the right thing, and you're just hoping that it's the right thing. But if you get rid of the ego, you actually become better at what you do than needing to do everything anyway, because you you create this circle of experts around you that you can all work together to help the person that you're the person that you're working with.
0: Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So he says it's been going on ten years, right? Um, and why is there the option So, what's your plans? And so why are you thinking of whether you do it or not, but why are you thinking of possibly selling? And then what be your plans after that?
1: Why am I selling? <laughs> so Body Beyond Baby is 10 years old. That's group face-to-face sessions. Um, I just, I, I guess I developed Safe Return to Exercise, which is the two-day course. Um, I launched that about two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've also been spending time mentoring other mum-focused fitness businesses. Okay. Um so I've created what we've we've called I've kind of called the Body Beyond Baby affiliate team. And it's set up so that we've got a website, so it's bodybeyondbaby.com.au, and it's basically the Airbnb of the best mum focused fitness businesses across Australia and New Zealand. Well that is the goal. So we've got eight businesses on there at the moment in so they they've all done safe retent exercise the course. Okay. Um They've done, they do upskilling with me. They do, some of them have done mentoring. Um, some of them I've actually helped them launch their business from scratch. So through like a white label. So they take all my policies, all my procedures, all my systems and they launch under their own brand.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so I guess, why do I want to do something different? Because I want to reach as many women as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And I can look after about a hundred mums a week in Centennial Park. But each one of those trainers that I work with could look after their own hundred mums a week in their own location. So if I can educate the trainers, then the trainers can educate the mums and we can put some quality control around the trainers that are working with women in the fitness industry. Um, And whether they just do the course and they go on and they run their business or they do the course and they become part of our affiliate team, it doesn't really matter. Um, But, yeah, I know that I can reach more people when I'm working with more trainers.
0: When you're going down the coaching and mentoring route of trainers, right? Yeah. 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 Mm, that's very interesting. And, when and it's so you- cool
1: watching people grow their business. Sorry. No, like yeah, yeah. When yeah. You- I had contractors and I had, I looked at licensing or franchising, but you know, people feedback for me was, we want to know what you know, but we don't necessarily, we want to build our own baby. We want to build our own brand. So, you know, what if I can just share all my knowledge and they're the people that are, they're not leaning on me to say, Jen, where are my clients? They're saying, Jen, how do I get the clients?
0: Yeah.
1: How do I position myself as the best person to go to in my area? And then they implement because at the end of the day, it's their brand. We're a, we're a network of trainers all working together, um, and we support each other as if we have, if each business is our own. But you know they're growing their baby, um, yeah. and that's super exciting to watch.
0: Yeah, which is very interesting because some people would go down the uh, the franchise route, you know, mm. like um, Bedros Coolian with the Fit Body Bootcamp kind of thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's very interesting. It's a good outlook. Um, When was the first time that you got like your first business or you made that transition into this side of coaching and mentoring?
1: So I had a trainer, her name's Magdalena. She won't mind me saying. She runs a business on the North Shore of Sydney called Mums Going Strong Fitness. And when I was looking at franchising or licensing, it was licensing I was going to go down the road of. And she was the one that said to me, I want to know what you know, but my heart tells me I need to build my own thing. And I was like, cool. She went her own way and I supported, like, I would always bounce ideas off her. We'd always kind of network. But then when I, I actually ran a business on the North Shore. So part, I had a contractor running sessions in Willoughby where she runs sessions now. And the contractor for me was just not working. Um, I had a person that I wanted them to. I wanted them to have that entrepreneurial spirit to want to grow their business, but they didn't. They just wanted to take the money and me to keep putting bums on seats when bums weren't set, staying on seats. Uh-huh. Um, so I made a decision to stop running the sessions in that side of Sydney, and I went to Mags and I asked her if she wanted to take over that part of my business. So I gave that business to her. Um, And then that's when we kind of started to, she became my representative of the Body Beyond Baby name, but under her own brand in that area. So it was very organic, but also listening to feedback of, you know, she was someone that I wanted to work with. I liked her business, like her, you know, her drive and her ethics. Um, But I knew that she didn't want to work with me as a, as a licensee. She wanted to grow her thing and she's still working with me today. So that's, that's pretty cool.
0: And when was that? How long ago?
1: That was 2000 and end of 2016.
0: Okay. A couple of years ago.
1: Yeah. Awesome.
0: And what's your, so let's look into the future now. So what's your vision? What do you see? It could be business and life.
1: So my vision is to create. Normally have this on the top of my brain, but I've been away for five weeks and it's like, it's not just, it's not right there. Um, I want to have conversations with mums on a global scale, whether I'm having the conversations or whether the trainers that I'm working with them are having the conversations. And I want to support personal trainers that work with mums to do that. Global. Um, So I guess that's my personal vision in a business sense. Um, From a personal perspective, I want to create opportunities for connection and adventure for myself and my family. Um, This last five weeks in, in Europe has been, I've got a 10 year old son who I'm starting to realize that he's gonna get two, three, four years down the track and he's not really gonna wanna spend a whole lot of time with me anymore. And I wanna create as many opportunities as possible to build a relationship with him and with my daughter who's two years younger where we as a family with my husband go on adventures and we have the freedom, you know, I don't need a, I need financial, financially enough money to support our adventures and to help other people. Um, yeah. But fun uh, time wise, I need need the opportunity or I want to create the opportunities to us for us to spend a lot of time together.
0: Are you talking about in the couple of years time when they've grown older to have those experiences then?
1: Continuously, So if we can set that now as a family, as things that we do as a family and, you know, I think too many people go, oh, we won't go on a family holiday this year because it's too expensive or, you know, I'm going to work for the next, you know, it's up, we're in our prime kind of earning years when our children are our youngest, are the youngest. And so many people will say, I just worked the whole time. My kids were young. Mm -hmm. You know, I, And I'm not saying that that's wrong. Everyone's got to make their own decisions. But I know for me, you know, I stopped working mornings in my business because I wanted to take my kids to school. I didn't take them to school for the first, you know, four years of Marley, no, three years of Marley being in school. But now it's like I want to be the one dropping them off at school. I want to be able to, you know, go to the school assemblies and do all that kind of stuff. Um, The part of my journey that I didn't share is that my husband and I, we actually separated for three years. And we came back together about almost a year ago now. And it's like, I I kind of feel incredibly blessed that we could separate almost together and create this family that's working. And, you know, I wanna create more opportunity for us to just all spend that time together. Um, So work, I've got massive visions with work, but I have values that I won't compromise if my work vision is not aligned with my values for my family vision
0: yeah that's yeah that's very important that you have that um you have that barrier there hmm. that's very important so you so so what did you going to say
1: i was just going to talk about values and how yeah, go for you it. know when we often we often think about value we set values within our business yeah. but what if we set personal values that are the same spread across every area of life. So, you know, whether it's love and connection, whether it's adventure, freedom, like whatever it is for you, like if you're, if you're saying you want freedom in your business, but that comes at the consequence of freedom within your family, is that working for you? And it, it actually makes it a lot easier when, you know, an amazing business opportunity might come up, but you might go, oh, well, it's going to take me away from my family at all the times when I've said that I want to be with them. Therefore I'm going to say no to that. And you can let go of the what if, because you know that it didn't work for your family values. So it actually has a lot, a lot of decisions.
0: But did you, did you have to find learn that the hard way? Or not? What do you mean? As in I like did did um was there a time when you didn't have those values and you made a decision to do something and it actually collided. He was like, you know what, I'm not gonna make that decision again.
1: I think that so Ben and I separating um and I was had my head in my business, but I also know that I was finding myself. So i I was a new mum, well a newish mum. I'd had postnatal depression after my daughter was born. My relationship, we weren't connecting. And I dove so far into my business that it was everything had to fit around my business. And I don't know whether there's a whole lot of stuff I could talk to you for the next five hours. But I know that I definitely sacrificed relationships in the time that I dove into the business. Having said that, I had to go through that time to find me and to do all the work on myself that then came as a consequence, so I did a lot of personal work as well as business development to then come full circle back to where I am now. So I don't know if I learned the hard way. I went through everything that I needed to go through, but I know that I know I'm a lot more confident in me. I know a lot more about myself and why I did things and what played out and, and also things I need to be aware of moving forward to make sure I, I don't do the things that sacrifice my family or even my own well being.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um yeah. Does that does yeah. that make sense?
0: It makes perfect sense. Cause um I think the main thing that I got out of that is no matter what tough times we go through or what decisions we make, there's always a lesson to be learned from the other Absolutely. side. Right?
1: Yeah. Um yeah. doesn't mean it doesn't suck ass when you're going through it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> but we gotta go like too many of us just avoid stuff. You can't avoid stuff. You gotta go through it. Um, And you might not know the lesson until you're on the other side, but yeah, if you can, if you can find space to reflect and evaluate or look at what you went through and then, and why you might've gone through it. And then also do whatever you need to do to work on yourself to come out the other end, um, then, yeah, nothing, nothing's wasted. It's wasted if you just keep bury your head in the sand and keep doing the same shit over and over again because you don't know how to get out of it because you will keep doing the same thing over and over again yeah. if you don't go through. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, um, and do you believe in regrets?
1: No. No. I don't... I don't. No, I don't... <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. i think i think your answer to that is what you've already just said though because you know because I, i'm the same as you people they'd be like yeah i regretted this but i'm like well i don't have any regrets sure there are times where i'm like maybe i shouldn't have made that decision but then again i did and it's got me to where i am now you know
1: yeah 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 no i don't i don't know yeah it's easy it came up it said i said no probably
0: don't I need to um, yeah. awesome and then so my final question to you is what do you want people to remember you by like what sort of legacy what sort of mission do you want to put out there
1: what a big question um, you know for, if I speak to women I'd like and especially women that choose to have a child I um, I think Come back to who you are, or refine that part of you that was you before you became a mother. Okay. And it it's going to be different, but because you're going to disappear. Um, but two, when you feel ready, and when you're called to find that part of you, whether it's you know going back to the gym reclaiming your fitness or finding your fitness reclaiming your work or finding new work um find that time and that space for you so i'd love to be the person that you know women go i i I realized i needed to prioritize myself when i knew the time was right and i say that because I, i don't want women to put pressure on themselves to do that thing for themselves because they're told they have to because there's going to be a time where you're just in this absolute shit fight of a bubble and you're just surviving day to day but there will be a time that it is right and listen to what your heart's telling you when it's time to find yourself again um if i talk to you know i was running when i was i think i was in venice running and i was like i want to help families to find more opportunities to connect Um, So if if in mum, but then I go, well, that goes back to mum. So if mum has then found herself and her essence, she can then help the whole family to spend more time connecting together because she's ready to connect with her husband again. She's ready to do fun stuff with the kids. She's ready to do stuff for herself. And when she's ready to do that, the whole family can come back together. But if mum is lost, the family's getting lost
0: Because she's filled up her cup first.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that's it.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And
1: families.
0: Yeah, Mums <laughs> and families. Yeah, no, that's awesome, Jen. Well, thank you for coming on today. It was awesome. Thank you for sharing your story.
1: Thank you for having me. It was very cool.
0: <laughs> Something different, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. And I've never talked about the, the the school stuff before, so that was cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, thank you for sharing. I, I um, I I've had family. I luckily wasn't bullied in school but um my cousin who i say is my sister she was heavily bullied in school um, and i know that it can definitely impact you how you, you know yeah. your memories and how you how you grow up but it's, it's great to see that yeah. um you've come very far and you're helping other people which is beautiful
1: thank you awesome
0: no worries well thank you for coming on and um hopefully our listeners get some value from you because i sure did and um, we'll definitely be seeing you very soon
1: sounds good. Thanks, Barry.